Holy, 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 you are holy God. We worship you. God, we come to you this morning completely bare in your presence. It's just you and us. You know everything about us. Thank you that we are so loved. Thank you for honoring us and seating us with you in heavenly places, Jesus. Thank you for the joy of your resurrection, of your salvation that we can share together today. God, right now, I pray that you would open our hearts as we read your word, Lord. May there be a power that is your spirit applying them directly to our hearts. And may it be with all of your love that we hear them. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I've heard it's a little bit full out there, which is awesome, but I would just ask if you have an empty seat beside you, if you could just raise your hand. I think there's some people in the back that are still looking for seats. If you just raise your hand really high, kind of look back, wave them, be friendly, come on down. We still have space for you, so there's, there's a few places there. You can just keep your hands up there for a few more seconds as we invite in anyone else who may need to find a seat this morning. It's good to be back with you all. It's been a few weeks. We've had different things going on. We've had home church, and we're starting a new month, July 1st. And anyone that's been with us, you may know that we are continuing our series on togetherness. And so today, I want to give you a very special invitation. We talked about it a few weeks ago, and that is for this month of July to actually practice our topic to be part of a small group. It's not that hard. It's, we're making it super easy for you. We'll have study guides that follow the content of each week that we've covered, and those are coming out today. So if you pull out your phones and you go to forestlake.church slash togetherness, forestlake.church slash togetherness, you'll see a list of the groups that we have already. You'll see ways to get involved. You'll notice we need a lot more facilitators. So if you're willing, just for the month of July, just once a week to say, I'll take an hour, I'll take an hour and a half, and I'll help facilitate. I'll read the questions. We can pass it around. We may not know what we're doing, but it's okay. We're just going to pray, and God's going to be with us. And you might be willing to open up your home. You might be willing to come to the church and rent a room. It doesn't have to be complicated to meet somewhere and to say, yeah, I'd be willing to host a group so that more people can come together. Maybe someone who's new, maybe people that are just getting to know our community, that we can come together and we can actually internalize this of what God is saying to us. So if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to be a host, a facilitator for the month, you'll see the link there to go ahead and sign up. And today at 4 p.m. for any facilitators, we're having a quick one-hour training just to help orient you, to help you know this is what we're doing, this is what it's going to look like, and help you feel empowered that you can do that this month. So today, 4 p.m., Forest Lake Church at the Young Adult Room, that's room 24. You'll see the address on there any facilitators anyone else just feel free to stay tuned keep going to that website to see any open groups and ways that you can get involved so we're excited about that today this morning i'd like to start by putting a picture on the screen and i'm going to ask you what is your reaction when you see this photo so this is something that you may come come across in your day-to-day -day. here we go okay how do you feel 
when you see this in your life, if you just turn to someone beside you and share, what's your reaction? What's your feeling? What's your gut? What are you experiencing right now? Share with your neighbor. All right, how are you feeling? Does anyone feel frustrated? Anyone upset, disappointed? Is anyone calm? Okay, I'm fine. Does anyone feel safe? Yes, you are keeping me safe. I'm gonna stay right here. I heard a loud yes. Some of you, when you're, when you're walking, maybe Yosemite, if you've been there, or somewhere like that, a national park, you see those, those guardrails, and you're, oh, good, okay, stay right here. Some of you are like, we're gonna climb over that, right? <laughs> How many of you, you see this, and you're like, okay, I'll keep going. Anyone like that? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's great. Different reactions, right? We've all come across things like that in our lives. And sometimes it's, it's physical, right? Sometimes, oh man, I cannot park here. I cannot go any farther. But we've all come across this sometimes. Maybe it's in a conversation. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in a work situation, a school situation. And it's as if someone put a sign up that said, don't enter, not any farther. We're stopping right here. And as we've been having our series, we're talking about Jesus's dream, his vision for us. The church, we are the church, you are the church, Forest Lake Warehouse community, was what? That we would be one. That we would be one, just like he is one with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, that we would be one together with God. And we've talked about that in the first week. We, we dove into that a little bit and what it means to be one with God. And then the second week, we talked a little bit about what it means to be one across generations, right? Old and young and everywhere in between. Today, we're going to talk about what are the barriers that keep us from being one. So Jesus, lead us. As I think about this topic, I come to a book, the book of Ephesians. And you can turn there today if you have your physical Bible, if you have a um, digital Bible today. We're in Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. It comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and it's before Revelation. So somewhere in there, you can find it scrolling. It's there, the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is a letter. And this guy is writing, his name is Paul, to the church of Ephesus. And it seems like Ephesus has a lot of good things going. And they want to experience what Jesus is saying, but also seems like they have some issues. And he starts out in chapter 4. And it sounds a little bit like Jesus' prayer. And he says, oh, I'm urging you, be humble, verse 2, and gentle. Be patient, bear with one another in love. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
It sounds a lot like Jesus's prayer, right? You just keep hearing one again and again and again because it's reflective of exactly who God is. He is one, and that's what he's created for us. And then he keeps going, and this is going to sound familiar to you because we've had some sermons about these. I can think of one that, that Pastor Juan preached. If you keep reading how he gave us grace, how he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he gave us spiritual gifts, how he's made each person in the church to do something, to be something different, to build up the body of Christ and to share. Jesus. Beautiful. We keep on reading, and then we come to more towards the end of the chapter, and he says, so I just want to remind you, don't live like those people that don't know me. Don't live like you used to live before I came and changed your life. In verse 20 through 24, he says, I made you new to put off. God taught you to put off that old person that you used to be, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul's reminding them, God made you new. And so verse 25 is where we're going to really focus on to the end of the chapter. He starts out, therefore, what does that look like since God made us new? And I think we're going to find a couple barriers today. Therefore, he says, verse 25, Ephesians chapter 4, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Did you catch that? Number one, our very first barrier that's being mentioned in the Bible that could be a barrier to our unity, falsehood. We're going to call it lies. What happens when someone tells a lie? It's not a good situation, right? It creates kind of a distance, a dissonance. Mm, I don't think I'm going to trust you anymore. I don't think I'm going to be connected to you in quite the same way. If someone tells a lie about somebody else, ooh, that goes even farther. Sometimes lies aren't just things that are said or spoken, but more things that are acted out. Sometimes a lie is a belief. Something that I believe about God is something I believe about someone else right? That maybe I judge someone or I think they're this way or they're that way. Or if I decide that you really don't like me, may or may not be true. Let's say in this case, it's a lie. So it's not true. That's going to affect the whole way that I enter your classroom if you're my teacher or the way that I interact with you if you're a mutual friend, if I truly believe the lie that you don't like me, right? Lies, huge barrier to unity. He says, you got to get rid of that because we're all members of one body. We're all the same. You may think, oh, no, I'm, I'm way out here, but just like my hand is still connected to my foot in some kind of way, you're connected to everyone. So put off falsehood. Speak truth. Keeps going. Let's see what other barriers we find. In your anger, verse 26, do not sin. Actually, this is interesting. The original language says, be angry and do not sin. Ooh, we can be angry? Are you sure? I thought everyone taught us never, ever be angry. No, Jesus got angry sometimes, right? Sometimes there's a right reason to be angry. Our problem is that our anger is not usually for the right reason, and it's not usually in the right time, right? But he says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This is pretty deep. This is a really great teaching on anger. So it's okay to be angry sometimes. Sometimes things happen, right? We get hurt. People hurt us. Something wrong is happening in the world. But he says, do not sin. 
don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Does that mean if I get angry, something happens early in the morning, I can be angry all day, but when we come to like 8.38 p.m. sunset, 8.30, whatever it is, oh, better stop being angry. Is that what that means? No? Okay, don't let the sun go down. Don't let time go by while you stay angry. Don't let time pass holding on to that anger because he says, do not give the devil a foothold. When I hold on to anger, he says, it gives the enemy a foothold. Another word for that is an opportunity. I was thinking about this, and it made me think about basketball, which some of you play or you watch or you've seen it happen. And when you're playing a game of basketball, and let's say that you are on defense, the other team has the ball, and you're kind of in this area of the court, what are you going to do if the ball comes your direction? You're going to put your arms up, right? You're going to box out. You're going to be all around here. Let's say that this person here on the opposing team gets the ball. What are you going to do? How many of you would just stand here and watch them? Hopefully not. Your teammates and your coach and, and all your people, your parents are going to be really upset about you. You're going to be coming. You're not going to let them take a shot. You're going to put your arms up. You're going to do whatever you can do to make sure that they can't pass. They can't do anything. But they have that ball. Let's say that no one is covering this part of the court. Let's say that for some reason, all the team is kind of over here, just huddled together. They're distracted. They're focusing on something. And so there's one teammate that's way out here, and they are totally open. What do you think the point guard is going to do? They're going to pass the ball right there, right? And that person is going to take it, and they have an opportunity. And if they're a good shot, maybe they're going to take the shot. Maybe they're going to get a three. And guess what? That might cost you the game. That's how it works. Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him an opportunity. Sometimes I think that my anger, holding on to my anger about my aunt or my nephew or whatever random thing, doesn't matter. It doesn't really affect anybody. But in a basketball game, if I gave someone an opportunity, it could be a big deal. Sure, things might kind of work out. Maybe someone will come save it, but maybe they will make that three and it'll cost us the game. Holding on to anger is like watching your opponent with the ball and doing nothing. Don't give the devil an opportunity, he says. Second barrier to unity. Don't give the devil a foothold. He keeps on going. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. He talks about stealing. That could be one too. We're going to keep on going because 29 hits pretty hard. Um, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm going to need two volunteers to come up, and we've got a stack of chairs here. So just two volunteers. Um, all you, you don't have to talk. I need one volunteer who's going to stand and one volunteer who's going to sit. So whoever those are, I am looking. If you're willing to volunteer, you can just come on up. Two people, two volunteers. All right, we got one. And another one. Come on up, come on up. Um, you could just put them, yeah, right here. That's good. We'll just, yeah, yeah. All right, so you can just set them all up. Yep, just like that. Yeah, that's fine. 
Thank you very much. Okay, where are my volunteers? All right, come on up. All right, if you want to step right over here. Thank you. Okay, yep, that's good. And I have another one. Phone a friend. Oh, I thought I saw another person. All right, come on up, come on up. Well, you're coming up, my second volunteer. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Other translations might say corrupt, right? Don't let anything, I'm going to say negative words. Don't let any negative words come out of your mouth. Sometimes, how do you feel about that? How have you been doing with that lately? When you think about everything that you've been saying, the dialogue that you've been having, all right, thank you so much. Appreciate you. How easy is it to not let any negative words come out of your mouth? But the text goes a little bit farther than that. It doesn't just say, never say anything bad. Just It says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So the question that God gives us when we think about our speech is, will this build someone up? So who wants to sit and who wants to stand? You'll stand? Okay, you'll sit. All right, what's your name? Alex. Alex and? Jeremiah. Awesome. All right. So Jeremiah, come on over. So when we think about our lives, when we think about Jeremiah, what you're going to say, the question to ask is, is this going to build Alex up? So what's something that would build him up, that would encourage him, be a good thing to say? Sorry, I said you didn't have to say anything. Yeah. How's your day? That's a great one, right? Like, how's your day? Okay. So ask him. How's your day? Pretty good. We are building him up. You can get up for a second. We're going to add a chair to your stack. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, you know what? I thought I got the stackable chairs. Yes. Oh, okay. You know what? That's funny. Okay, we're just going to imagine it. We're going to imagine that they were all a really big stack. I looked. I tried these ones. They didn't stack. I thought I tried these ones. Nope. It was different chairs. Okay picture, right? He goes a little bit higher. How's your day? Maybe something else. Maybe you share. Um, you can keep sitting there. Uh, maybe you, you tell him uh, something that you appreciate, right? Or something good that happened in your day. It's like adding another chair to the stack. And Alex is just going higher and higher and higher. Now let's imagine, Jeremiah, that you say something else. Let's imagine that you had a really bad day. Let's imagine something really hard happened. Anything coming to your mind? Say, yeah, let's say you got a bad grade on a test, right? Someone cuts you off in traffic, and you're just so mad, and you're just like, man, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe that this happened. And man, like, how, you know, and you just start, oh, you guys are amazing. Wait, those stack? These seems a little dangerous. All right. This is great. I should have phoned a friend here. Okay. So he's all built up, because he got asked, how are you? What's your name? How's your day? But now, let's start to say, you're not doing so well, right? And you say something like, man, it's been a really hard day, and you just come in, and you're just so upset with Alex, and it just all comes out for no reason. And so you say, man, man, that you just, you didn't do a good job. Or I can't believe my boss. My boss did this one thing. My teacher was so rude. Is that going to build Alex up? Nope. What's going to happen? Take a chair off. Man. And he goes down a little bit, right? And then you're like, man, nothing's going right. Like, everything's just messed up, and this is just not good. And what happens to Alex? 
Man, he just gets taken down. He's to sit on the floor. He's to sit on the ground. I'm so sorry you don't have to. It'd be bad. <laughs> this is not good, right? We treat our words so insignificantly, you guys. The Bible says, only what is useful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. The thing is, it's not just Alex that you're saying those words to. The word says that there are people listening. Other versions say that it may give grace to those who hear. There is always somebody listening to the words that you're saying. And the question to ask, the filter that God's word says is, will this build someone up? Will this build others up in the church? Will this build someone up in what I'm doing? Or is it going to take them down? And how is it going to affect those who hear? It gets even deeper. This is a barrier to our unity. And you can stay up here for just one more moment. Thank you. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is interesting. Because the Holy Spirit, we think about him in Romans 8, verse 15 and 16, God's word says, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And Ephesians chapter 1, it says, when you chose to believe in Jesus, that he came, you were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. So when you choose to believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And it's like you have this seal. You have this mark. It's like you're wearing the same shirt. It's like you're wearing the same baseball cap. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who helps us know our identity in the family of God. He's the one by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. So he's the one that helps us relate to God as our dad. He's the one who helps us know who God is. He's the one who helps us know, I belong. I am a child of God. And so the word says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. How is that? The quickest way to hurt someone, the worst way to hurt someone is to hurt their kids. And the Holy Spirit has a special relationship with us, God, right? God says we're his kids. And so when we look around and we see someone else, and we don't think about the fact that they're God's kid, and they have that seal, right, of the Holy Spirit, and we say something to take them down, to take them farther down instead of building them up, the Holy Spirit is grieved. His heart hurts. He's insulted. He's offended. He's hurting because you're hurting his kids in the church. Is this a barrier to our unity? How are we doing with our words? How are we doing with the way that we're interacting with the people around us? Could we be grieving the Holy Spirit? Could we be hurting God because we're hurting his kids? Thank you so much for coming up. You can have a seat. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, you can take those down. I don't think I'll need them. Thank you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31 keeps going. Get rid, prepare yourself, it's okay, God is with us. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Let's talk about those words just briefly. Bitterness, we're gonna come back to that. That's when you hold on to a hurt and you hold on to anger, you hold on to something hard. Rage, right? Anger, those are super connected. Brawling, it's like fighting. Slander, when you speak bad about someone and you ruin their reputation. Gossip, does this ever happen in the church? Ooh. Along with every form of malice. 
When you desire ill for someone, right? When they've hurt you, you have that resentment and you want to do something back. Paul is getting serious to this church in Ephesus. Get rid of it, he says. And I want to focus mostly on bitterness here because bitterness is really easy to hold. See, anger is connected to hurt. Sometimes we think, I never get angry. I used to think that. No, if you've been hurt, you experience anger, right? And that's okay sometimes. But bitterness is when you hold on to that hurt and it keeps hurting you inside and you keep holding on to it and you keep coming back to it and you keep ruminating on it and you keep thinking back to that memory of what that person did to me, justified or not, right? Maybe they really did. Maybe it was something really hard. It turns into bitterness. I think about this. I think about getting a cavity. I had never, ever had a cavity in my entire life until a couple years ago. I was very ashamed. I went to the dentist. I hadn't been in a long time. I think it was a year that I like didn't go for many months. So that's my little excuse. And there's a little tiny one in the back of my mouth. And I was so ashamed that I had gotten a cavity because I was taught to brush and floss. But some of you can relate to me. It's okay. We'll talk about it later. Nonsense. I'm trying. But how does a cavity form? When you eat sugary, starchy foods, and then it keeps going, and maybe you don't brush, or you don't floss right away, or you wait too long, you're welcome parents, is what happens. You don't floss your teeth every night. What happens? Bacteria starts coming in, plaque starts coming in, and it starts forming um, from the bacteria. And then what the plaque does, it has this acid and all that junk just continues to work on your mouth and work on your tooth. And what it does, the plaque, the acid actually goes deeper and deeper into your tooth and it starts destroying it. So it starts out with these little holes, but then it actually goes into the next layer, which is a little softer, and the next layer. And your tooth eventually starts really hurting because you got this acid that's literally destroying your tooth deeper and deeper. That's disgusting. I want to brush my teeth right now. If you had coffee, I hope you brought some gum because, you know, we'll pray. But <laughs> these are the things that go through my mind, you guys. It's still good, though. I enjoy it. I drink it. But <laughs> bitterness is like plaque. It's like that acid. It's not a big deal. I didn't floss my teeth, okay? I'm tired. I want to go to bed. <laughs> bitterness keeps going though. It's like that acid. It keeps working in. Bitterness is soul destroying. It goes deeper and deeper into our souls and it hurts us again and again and again. Paul says, get rid of that. It's a barrier to your unity. It's holding you back. And some of you are feeling that today of something super real that happened, but it's hurting your heart still. What do we do? This is a long list. These are a lot of barriers. These are hard things that we experience in our lives and in our church, maybe in this church. Verse 32, what do we do? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Okay, so the answer is to be nice. Go make up, be the bigger person, of course. But there's a key here, and this is pretty deep. He talks about what Jesus did for me. And I'm going to need the last thing there. I've got a big bucket that should be in the back. Thank you so much for bringing it up. I'm getting a phone call. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. What did Jesus do for you? What did he do for me? 
Well, he died on the cross, right? Jesus died for me, for all the things that I have ever done, all the things that I ever could yet to do. Thank you. All the ways that I could hurt or I could hurt others, right? My sin, no matter if my testimony is super exciting and colorful or it's more boring, but just, hey, sin, right? Everyday pride, whatever. It doesn't matter how tiny my sin, it costs the death of God's son. That's how dangerous sin is, right? That's how poisonous it is in our lives that God said, I'm gonna forgive you this big. I love you so much as if you were the only one. I died for you. That's how big Jesus forgave me. It's like a big bucket of forgiveness, big enough to cover anything that I could come to in my life. The word says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. God is asking us to forgive. Sometimes things that have, the wrongs that have been done to us seem too difficult to forgive. Maybe the person's not sorry. Maybe they don't want to change. Maybe they really could care less. Maybe they're continuing to hurt me right now. And it feels absolutely impossible to forgive them. And we come and we think about forgiveness. We think about how much God has forgiven us and how much we have to forgive others. It's kind of like a teaspoon measure in this bucket. Because no matter how big that thing is they did or that hurt, to forgive them, it's really measured against God's forgiveness. It's just a teaspoon measure. But sometimes it still feels so much, right? I feel like I don't have that forgiveness to give. How in the world can I forgive you when you hurt me, when you did that thing, when that thing happened, my mom, my dad, whatever? If we're measuring our forgiveness out of our own cup of forgiveness, it's never enough. But if I realize that I have been forgiven, by the King of Kings, that Jesus saved me, that he died on the cross for me, that I am free in him, that I have a great big bucket of grace and forgiveness. Then when I go to forgive you or you go to forgive me, I'm no longer dipping out of my own forgiveness well. I'm dipping out of the bucket of God's forgiveness. And so guess what? Yeah, maybe that's a really big thing to forgive. Maybe you have to forgive them again. Maybe you have to forgive them again, right? Or someone else. Are you ever going to exhaust this bucket of grace? Never. And obviously, this is even bigger, right? Infinity. That's how big God's grace and forgiveness is. And it's only through his power. When I think about the most difficult things, the barriers to unity in my life, when I think about the, the ways that I've been hurt the most, it's been by the people closest to me. Maybe even someone in the church, right? And through those experiences and having to learn what does forgiveness mean, God showed me a lot about his heart and the way that he relates to me because God gives me this bucket of forgiveness. And this is the key. Whatever it is for you, maybe someone here has something that God is bringing to your heart, right? A hurt or something that seems way too hard to forgive. God is inviting us that it's his power. You don't have to dip out of your own bucket. You don't have to grit your teeth and try to be kind. God invites you to surrender it to him, to dip out of the bucket of his forgiveness, to go through his power, to be free of that so you can let it go and you can love and live and be free in Jesus. So church, what are the barriers to our unity? What are the barriers to our unity here at the Forest Lake Church? 
What are the barriers to our unity here in Warehouse Community of Forest Lake Church? Are there lies? Are there, is there any anger? Is there any negative speech that has impacted us or impacted those we love? Is there any bitterness? Is it something that's happened in your family? Is it something that's happened in this church? What's holding us back from Jesus's prayer in John 17 that we would be one? We can keep on going each week and keep talking about unity, but if we don't deal with the barriers, we're not going to experience it to the fullest level. Even if it's something that's just happening in my life or something between me and a family member, remember, it's still an opportunity. It's still like leaving that whole part of the court open. Jesus says, I want to take that from you. And it's not something to be, oh, but Jesus, Jesus wants us to live free. So what is the barrier that you're experiencing? What part of that list resonates with you? I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit is revealing it to us, whether it's a lie that you've heard or that you believe about God or about someone else, whether it's words that have been spoken that hurts you or words that you spoke that hurt someone else, whether it's anger, whether it's a way that you've been hurt, a way that you've hurt someone else. Jesus says, you can experience my forgiveness. You can dip out of the bucket of my forgiveness that is so big and you can surrender that to me, child. I want you to be free. I want you to be one with me and I want you to be one with each other. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray right now. And during that prayer, I just invite you, I'm gonna pause for a moment for you to talk with God. And if there's something that he's putting on your heart that you wanna give to Jesus, that you wanna surrender, you might even say, I have no idea how I'm gonna do that, but I choose to give it to you. Please help me. Please help me dip out of your bucket. Then I just invite you to hold out your hands during that part of that prayer. And if you would, um, kneel with me as we pray. Let's kneel and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for deciding I was worth it. Jesus, for choosing to give your life. Father, for giving your son so that I could be free, God, so that we could be free. Thank you for giving me a bucket of grace and forgiveness that's big enough, God, that's big enough to cover anything that I can live, that we can live in that freedom. God, we're sorry for the barriers that we've let remain in our lives that have kept us from you and have kept us from others, that have kept us from moving forward as a church and all the joy and all the purpose and all the mission that you have for us. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd reveal to us what we need to give to you in this moment. And Jesus, by your power, we hold out our hands and say, take this, please take this. We don't want it to destroy our souls. We don't want it to destroy our unity with you or with each other as a church. God, take it. And I pray right now that your big bucket of grace and forgiveness would wash over every person here in a fresh way 
that we truly place it at your feet, God. We surrender that each one can walk out of here living in your freedom. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for your power. We thank you for your cross. We thank you that you died for our deepest hurts and we don't have to feel them in the same way anymore. We love you. We surrender to you. Make us one, Jesus. Fulfill your word. Make us one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.